0: Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates Interviews, co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your interviewer, Maria Spinozzi, and I would like to introduce Diane Farsetta, running for elder from District 12. As we begin, please tell our viewers a bit about how your educational, vocational, and civic experience has prepared you for the position and why you decided to run for elder. Well, um, what I offer
1: the voters of District 12 in the city is decades of neighborhood and grassroots activism, policy experience, and a track record of getting things done um, at a time of growth and change for our district and for the city as a whole, which is a big reason why I decided to run for office at this time. Um, I think what we need more than anything is an engaged, effective, and responsive alder who will make sure that diverse voices are heard before decisions are made. Um, My community experience includes serving as a board member of the Emerson East Neighborhood Association since moving to that part of the city in 2007. And I've been involved in um, planning, public art, and park revitalization efforts uh, in that role. I've also worked to build international solidarity between Madison and our nine sister cities as a co-founder of one of those relationships and as a member and former vice chair of the city committee on uh, sister cities. I've also volunteered a lot with people on the margins. For example, the formerly homeless residents of the Occupy Madison Tiny Homes Village and mentored an at-risk child. And what I've learned from that is, is the power, really, of expanding what we mean by community as well as the importance of trauma-informed practices. Um, I have health and environmental policy experience as the former uh, fellow with the Wisconsin Women's Policy Institute of, uh, as a steering committee member of the Wisconsin Family and Caregiver Support Alliance and as the former executive director of the Wisconsin Network for Peace and Justice. And um, professionally, I'm a biologist and a communicator who works at the University of Wisconsin-Madison School of Nursing, building partnerships to support older adult health. Um, I'm also a union member and a homeowner. I live in workforce housing um, that was built for factory workers um, 100 years ago uh, for the Oscar Mayer and and resulting uh, factories in the area.
0: Madison's efforts to address chronic homelessness have appeared to fall short, especially with regard to providing sufficient support systems for a housing first approach what ideas do you have that might create greater success for projects such as the one on tree lane Mm
1: -hmm. right well this is an incredibly important question and gets back to the importance of the trauma-informed approach to working with people who are at the margins of our society um it's it's very unfortunate that our first two examples of working with housing first developments here in madison were were off to a rocky start Housing First is not a new model. It's It's been around for decades. Um, it actually, the federal government is uh, requiring it for, um, for some funding sources. Um, and I firmly believe that housing is a human right. We simply can't expect people to be functioning members of our community without having housing. Um, Studies have also shown that it costs less to have people, to move people into housing. The important part is having those wraparound services and and knowing the system and having the relationships with the local service providers. And that's where the first two um, examples of Housing First, including Tree Lane, got off to a rocky start. And so making sure on the city's behalf that that there are very strong services from the beginning, knowing that there is an adjustment period for people who are moving in to these types of projects, um, and also perhaps doing a phased move-in of residents so that there is time for them to adjust and for us to adjust services. And then lastly, making sure that we're connecting and supporting people, not just within these buildings, but with the broader community, I think is also really important.
0: The Madison Police Department has been faulted for not having appropriate policies and training around de-escalation and use of force, especially with regard to people of color. What is your perspective on whether any changes are needed in ways Madison police operate in our community?
1: Right. Well, again, this is an incredibly important issue that there has been a lot of debate um, and discussion and study of. I very much appreciate the work that has been done um, by community members, by um, the police policy uh, ad hoc committee that's reviewing the uh, OIR report, the consultant report that came up with 146 recommendations. um, The police department also weighing in. it's very important that everyone feels safe and that police officers also um, have a path to maintain their their, uh, their excellence and to feel supported in, in a very important role. So I do believe that de-escalation, um, as was pointed out in the OIR report, that that is something that, um, that there could be more um, emphasis on and ongoing training around also um, mental health crises. Um, And I think it is also very important, the linchpin recommendation of the OIR report is having that um, independent auditor's office and a civilian review board, as well as making the data available on police officer activities and and the demographics of of different um, police activities in terms of how they affect our residents. Because, again, everyone um, needs to feel safe. Um, And and the other thing that I would say is targeting the police resources that we have and and asking, um, are there um, ways that we could address, for example, nonviolent mental health crises through purely civilian task force, as is done in other communities.
0: There is a perception that Madison's story is a tale of two cities, one in which people of color are less likely to experience success. What can be done to ensure that Madison is a community in which all people can thrive?
1: Right. Well, I think the taking the equity lens to whatever we're working on, the racial uh, equity and social justice tool is a wonderful development that, that the city um, is using, including on important things in, in our area, like the public market and the Oscar Mayer uh, redevelopment project. And so um, I believe continuing that and also looking at some of the things that I'm highlighting in the campaign the need for quality, affordable housing, for adding transportation alternatives, um, for looking at the community health and safety. Um, these are all things that um, have an equity lens as well as strengthening our neighborhoods and our communities overall. So um, having that that data um, in terms of, for example, um bus trips, if you look at the race of the person who is riding Madison Metro, the rides are 40 percent longer for African-American um, people who are riding the bus versus white people. And that is largely due to how our community is segregated and how um, opportunities are, are segregated. I do think that the Market Ready program to get to the economic development side of things um, is a really good model, and that has done a lot to bring um, local innovators um, into what will be our new um, public market on our side of town.
0: What issue have you identified as being of primary concern to the residents of your district, and how would you approach tackling it? Right.
1: So I would say what I hear a lot from people as I go around the district is um, a lot of interest and and questions about um, how do we develop and and redevelop and grow in ways that are expanding opportunity and strengthening our neighborhoods so um, there is both excitement and some concern about having that hole that that Oscar Meyer um, filled um, in terms of the workforce um, and in terms of just that that opportunity um, of having a very well placed um, area for um, connection and transportation, um, for workforce um, development, for welcoming the communities in and revitalizing that area. But I think there are also, um, you know, other areas. we talked about the public market, um, looking at the the Northgate and Northport shopping centers, um, where we can, with uh, city guidance, make sure that this development happens in ways that um, support local businesses and add amenities without pricing people out of our area.
0: The relationship between the council and the mayor appears at times contentious. Is this a problem, and if so, how would you improve the relationship? Well,
1: that's um, that's uh, it's it's funny to um, to talk about that because I think that the the relationship right is is based on. Um, serving the people right of, of our city and making sure we're representing them i don't think that there's a problem with disagreeing but i but i do think we need to look at power relationships um, i appreciate the work of the task force on government structure that's ongoing and that's looking at how can we facilitate resident input into city decisions i think the budget process is is an incredibly important one where we could really improve how we're engaging um, members of the public and having more meaningful opportunities for people to weigh in on that um, and so i um, you know this uh, the sometimes contentious or, or seemingly contentious debates you know the, the tone is is less of concern to me than the substance and and as long as we're having um, a good process we can um, agree to disagree in fact you know having disagreements allows us publicly to really weigh out what are the the benefits the pros and cons of different options
0: what changes, if any, should be made in how the city repro- approaches major projects such as the Judge Doyle Square and the public market? Right.
1: So those are um, two larger developments that were in the news recently for changes, but I think for, for very different reasons. So the Judge Doyle Square um, there were uh, unfortunate breakdowns in communications with the original developer i do um, appreciate the the council i think that they were very the current council was very strong um, in negotiating with the developer and finally getting to a point where while yes there was um, one more payment that was given to the developer it actually wound up saving the city money and accelerating the timeline of development in that area while preserving our, um, our parking utilities strengthening our parking um, options downtown, which is incredibly important. Um, with public market, I would say that uh, the change was overwhelmingly good because what we had was um, looking at one location that was closer to the East Washington side, uh, East Washington and 1st, and then changing that to the current Fleet Services building that's more on the Johnson side of the property. And I think that that was um, a great opportunity at um, just the right time. You know, we hadn't committed um, to the the alternate site. And I think that there were great benefits of moving in terms of having a larger space um, and also an existing building, right? so it, the cost will be less and also the environmental footprint is is lower because we're using existing infrastructure
0: what council committees do you want to serve on and why Right. So um, there
1: are many important ones um, to our area in particular. Um, Given what I've talked about, it won't be surprising to hear um, the Economic Development Committee is, I think, very important to me as we're looking at um, Oscar Mayer redevelopment, public market, and equity issues around um, uh, economic opportunity in the city as a whole. Um, The Public Market Development Committee, uh, when the new Strategic Area Plan Committee for Oscar Mayer um, is brought up, um, the Housing Strategy Committee, in terms of making sure that we're expanding affordable housing, growing the city's affordable housing fund, and using that um, also to rehabilitate our existing affordable housing stock um, um, the Committee on Aging, in terms of my professional experience working um, with uh, older adult health uh, issues, I think would be um, very important so there there are many options that I am um, looking forward to.
0: What would you like to say to the viewing audience as we complete this interview?
1: Sure, well, I very much appreciate the opportunity to to share these thoughts, and at a time again when our district in our city is, is facing growth and changes. I appreciate that. District 12 had the largest primary um, of any on the council. I think we had really good discussions. Um, I appreciate the role of civic groups, um, of our neighbors, and of the candidates. And um, this is what local government should do. It should facilitate these public discussions. And if, if people want to learn more about me, they can go to uh, diane 12org to learn more.
0: I want to thank Diane Farsetta for speaking with us and the viewing audience for taking the time to know your candidates. Please vote in this and every election. On behalf of Madison City Channel and the League of Women Voters of Dane County, I thank you for joining us.